Hello, and welcome to Dissecting Philosophy with Dr. McDonald. In this episode, I'll be reading and discussing the section The Homecoming in Nietzsche's The Spoke Zarathustra. So let's get started. The Homecoming. Oh, solitude, solitude, my home. I have lived too long wildly in wild, strange lands to come home to you without tears. Now shake your finger at me as mothers do. Now smile at me as mothers smile. Now say merely, and who was it that once stormed away from me like a storm wind? Who departing cried, I have sat too long with solitude. I have unlearned how to be silent. You have surely learned that now. O oh, Zarathustra, I know all, and that you are lonelier among the crowd, you solitary, than you ever were with me. Loneliness is one thing, solitude another, and you have learned that now. And that among men you will always be wild and strange, wild and strange even when they love you, for above all they want to be indulged. But here you are at your own hearth and home. Here you can utter everything and pour out every reason. Nothing here ashamed of hidden, hardened feelings. Here all things come caressingly to your discourse and flatter you. For they want to ride upon your back, upon every image you here ride to every truth. Here you may speak to all things, straight and true, and truly it sounds as praise to their ears that someone should speak with all things honestly. But is another thing to be lonely, for do you remember, O Zarathustra, when once your bird cried above you as you stood in the forest undecided, ignorant where to go beside a corpse, when you said, May animals lead me? I found it more dangerous among men than among animals. That was loneliness. And do you remember, O Zarathustra, when you sat upon your island, a well of wine among empty buckets, giving and distributing, bestowing and outpouring among the thirsty, until at last you sat alone thirsty among the intoxicated and lamented each night? Is it not more blessed to receive than to give? and more blessed to steal than to receive, that was loneliness. And do you remember, O Zarathustra, when your stillest hour came and tore you forth from yourself, when it said in an evil whisper, Speak and break, when it made you repent all of your waiting in silence and discouraged your humble courage, that was loneliness. O oh, solitude, solitude my home, how blissfully and tenderly does your voice speak to me. We do not question one another, we do not complain to one another, we go openly together through open doors, for with you all is open and clear, and here even the hours run on lighter feet, for time weighs down more heavily in the dark than in the light. Here the words and word chests of all existence spring open to me. All existence here wants to become words. All becoming here wants to learn speech from me. Down there, however, all speech is in vain. There, the best wisdom is to forget and pass by. 
I have learned that now. He who wants to understand all things among men has to touch all things, but my hands are too clean for that. I even dislike to breathe in their breath. Alas, that I have lived so long among their noise and bad breath. O oh, blissful stillness around me, O oh, pure odours around me, O oh, how the stillness draws pure breath from a deep breast. Oh, how it listens, this blissful stillness. But down there, everything speaks, everything is unheard. One may ring in one's wisdom with bells. The shopkeeper in the marketplace will ring them out with pennies. So kicking off the section then, we have Zarathustra return back to his cave in the mountain. And then we have this whole lovely whole moment where... He's just basking in the relaxed atmosphere away from the noise of everybody else and the nice calm state. And we get that quite nicely as well whenever we come back from our work or after a long day. It's just nice to come back and relax and just chill and have a nice cup of tea or whatever it is. And that's exactly where we have Zarathustra right at the start of the section. And so one of the main images that then comes forth is that we have really a great sense of noise coming out from the city or the town and then the silence of the mountainside and the country. And what's so nice about his cave as well, when he returns back into it, is that he's allowed to have a moment to think for himself. Because you could say, well, what's so positive about being in the town or in the city is precisely the people. And so therefore you wouldn't be lonely at all. But what's made a point of is that in fact, Zarathustra is more lonelier in the city than he is in his cave. And why is that the case? Because everything that Zarathustra tries to say is immediately then argued with and falls upon deaf ears as well. And Zarathustra's own views is very much treated as an outsider because what he argues for doesn't fit in with the social and cultural norms. And so his own views and his own opinions are in that of a very much minority and don't agree with that of the majority of people. And so since he's in the minority, he's therefore going to be much lonelier because there's not going to be other people who are going to agree with his views. And why is that the case? Why is he in the minority? Because one of the points that's picked upon is that Nietzsche says here, wild and strange, even when they love you, for above all, they want to be indulged. And it's that point to say, well, what they want is not for somebody to come in and try to critically engage their opinion in a constructive way or to try and show how their opinion is flawed. All what they want to do is to be indulged and have other people just confirm and reaffirm their own opinion. And it's quite interesting 
when we get into social media is an idea for that as well because of course what people follow and what people will retweet and like and so on is all just that reaffirmation of their own opinion and own belief that's that sense of just continually reaffirming and just indulging within that given context rather than which is a quite interesting thing to not just block out different opinions and ideas but then to also take upon them follow other perspectives because what's so good about that of course is it manages to challenge our own opinions and beliefs and presents a different complete approach altogether and that's what's quite interesting as well is that we have Zarathustra in his cave and so he's quite happy and content in his cave of course because he doesn't have anyone to therefore contradict what he's going to be saying and so he's going to be quite happily indulging in himself which again is kind of the way in which we can relate Zarathustra to sort of self-indulgence in social media and so really what's an interesting tension that's been raised here really is that on the one hand we have society as a whole wanting to be indulged but equally Zarathustra wants to be indulged himself so he's not completely free from this whole sense of wanting to have his own opinions affirmed and his own beliefs confirmed by other people at the same time he's not completely immune from that and again we have this idea of the tension brought up with how it rounds off this first little part of the discussion how he relates everyone in given society and those who live in towns and cities so forth into having bad breath and how much of it is a cleansing experience to go into the countryside and therefore have fresh air but it's that whole kind of argument you can have to Zarathustra there to say well actually you're wanting the indulgence at the same time because you're wanting your own opinion to be affirmed you want people to agree with your view that the countryside is ultimately a much nicer place than the city and so let's continue on then everything among them speaks no one knows any longer how to understand everything falls away into failure nothing falls any longer into deep wells everything among them speaks nothing prospers and comes to an end any longer everything cackles but who still wants to sit quietly upon the nest and hatch eggs everything among them speaks everything is talked down and what yesterday was still too hard for time itself and its teeth today hangs chewed and picked from the mouth of men today everything among them speaks everything is betrayed and what was once called a secret and the secrecy of profound souls today belongs to the street trumpeteers and other butterflies o oh, humankind you strange thing you noise in dark streets now again you lie behind me my greatest danger lies behind me my greatest danger always lay in indulgence and sufferance and all humankind wants to be indulged and suffered with truths held back with foolish hand 
and foolish fond heart, and rich in pity's little lies. This is how I used to live among men. I sat among them, disguised, ready to misunderstand myself, so that I might endure them, and glad to tell myself, you fool, you do not know men. One forgets what one has learned about men when one lives among men. There is too much foreground in all men. What can far-seeing, far-seeking eyes do there? And when they misunderstood me, I, like a fool, indulged them more than I did myself, for I was accustomed to being hard with myself, and often even taking revenge on myself for this indulgence. Stung with poisonous flies, and hollowed out like a stone by many drops of wickedness, that is how I sat among them, and still told myself everything small is innocent of its smallness. Especially those who call themselves the good, did I discover to be the most poisonous flies, they sting in all innocence, how could they be just towards me? Pity teaches him to lie who lives among the good. Pity makes the air stifling for all free souls, for the stupidity of the good is unfathomable. To conceal myself from my riches, that did I learn down there. For I found everybody still poor in spirit. It was my pity's lie that I knew with everybody, that I saw and scented in everybody what was sufficient spirit for him and what was too much spirit for him. They're pedantic wise men. I call them wise, not pedantic. Thus I learned to slur words. They're grave diggers. I called them investigators and scholars. Thus I learned to confound words. Grave diggers dig diseases for themselves. Evil vapors repose beneath old rubble. One should not stir up the bog. One should live upon mountains. With happy nostrils I breathe again, mountain freedom. At last my nose is delivered from the odour of all humankind, my soul tickled by sharp breezes as with sparkling wine, sneezes, sneezes, and cries to itself, Bless you. Thus spoke Zarathustra. So then, Zarathustra... Is heaven just one of those days, just one of those days where, after coming back to his cave after a long, hard day, he is just stewing in his own juice, having a really good hate upon everybody else around them. And of course, we've all had days like that, where pretty much we see the very worst in other people and humanity. And that's precisely what kind of day is what Zarathustra is having right now. And we go more in depth again into all the problems of society and herd mentality and the way in which nothing sticks, basically, and how everything is all just on a pure surface level. Even things that used to be profound are no longer profound anymore, as Zarathustra says, but just on the streets, here, there, and everywhere. There's nothing deep anymore, and there's no time anymore either. And it's quite an interesting comment to make on 
Why won't anybody sit upon the nest and hatch eggs anymore? To say, well, Nietzsche's kind of noticing here the way in which just time is starting to move quicker and people are not just starting to stop and take their time. And it's so interesting that very brief comment on the way in which society works and how we can see that's very much sort of ramped up into the modern consumerist society where everything's always at fast pace of course and there's no time for sitting on the nest at all because everything's got to be continually produced and then we also get the relation into scholars and academics again making those brief comments that then go back into the previous remarks that's been made where we have nothing really great produced whatsoever as he says all what they do is just focus on digging up old things and so really the whole idea is what they're focusing on is completely the past ideas and digging those up rather than trying to produce anything new and trying to think of the future as well and produce new ideas everything's just a bunch of grave diggers and not only are they grave diggers but they also dig diseases for themselves he says evil vapors repose beneath old rubble one should not stir up the bog one should live upon mountains and again it's that whole thing within that academic and scholarly environment all what they want to do is have that on self-indulgence and confirmation of their own ideas by other people and there's that whole argument again made in previous section for Nietzsche's well what you have to say well you shouldn't have to care about indulgence in fact in order to have any semblance of your own ideas in the first place you just need to sort of move away as he says and continually repeating in this section into some sort of creative space away so you can just breathe some fresh air and gain a new perspective on things and it's that whole idea about the creative individual needing that creative space in order to be creative in the first place that also comes out of the previous sections so what the problem is then is that when he's lived among people is that we've then had him not really be himself as he says but he's ultimately just performed a version of himself and he's wore a mask ultimately let's say or put on a performance like an actor and this great big theatrical performance and it's quite interesting again this whole comment on well isn't that really how we have to live our lives in society is that we have to put on a performance because we can't really go out and say exactly what we think or be who we truly want to be because there's always that sense of wanting to make other people happy and wanting that acceptance of other people at the same time and not to be an outsider well says we have that whole contrast in this section like the whole previous argument for creativity as well is that in order for us to develop ourselves as individuals we need to sort of move out of the sphere of just bad air bad breath as he says into a much fresher environment and just sort of reinvigorating yourself at the same time 
overall for this action. There's really quite an interesting point that's being made about philosophy and how books are written within this whole cave environment away from everyone, away from society and culture in a way, isolating yourself and your ideas, locking them in a little ivory tower as they do, and then in comes slowly but surely other people who accept your ideas. But what's so interesting, of course, is within the midst of all this whole going to the mountains, writing in your cave, is this whole immense level of misanthropy that's happening and this whole level of just hatred of humanity leaving a bad taste in your mouth and don't even want to breathe in the same air as everybody else and it's this sort of egotistical nature that's really interesting to reflect upon is problematical as well whenever we think upon philosophers or other people and how their ideas are presented to us of course in a very grand way but what Nietzsche is trying to say here is that if we look at this from a psychological point there's also this incredible amount of misanthropy that's really at work within people's thoughts here and within the creation of these philosophical structures because what these models and structures are meant to do is to control humanity in a way and to make them better in inverted commas and who is going to make humanity better and enable them to function better and so on is ironically the people who hate humanity isn't that quite an interesting point that Nietzsche's trying to make many thanks for listening to the episode feel free to check out my patreon page at patreon.com forward slash dissecting philosophy feel free to tip me a wee coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash dissecting philosophy feel free to also drop me a wee email at my address dissecting philosophy at gmail.com and I can be also found on Twitter at I am a rubber man. Many thanks for listening, and I'll hope you'll join me next time.